I see it is you've got two choices. You can either keep pretending like nothing bad's ever gonna happen to you, and then when it does, you're saying, uh-oh, or you can get ahead of what's coming so that when it does, not if, you're ready for it, and you're sitting pretty, sipping on Mai Tais next to the pool, working on that Caribbean suntan, because you got it covered. So folks, it's time for you to learn the truth about money. It's time for you to take back control of your money so that you are ready for what's about to happen. By doing that, you're setting yourself up for absolute success. No matter what comes your way, you're ready for it. And that's what I want for you, and I wanna help you with that. So go to chrisnoggle.com and sign up for the Wealth Webinar. We do them every Wednesday at 1 p.m., and you need to be there because it's time. For over 90 years, we've been crash testing our cars in the tireless pursuit of automotive safety. At Volvo, safety's been first since 1927. We've saved millions of lives with the invention of the three-point seatbelt in 1959. At Volvo, we've made driving safer for you and them. Visit safety.finleyvolvo.com to learn more. So they say if you give a man a gun, he'll rob a bank. But if you give a man a bank, he'll rob everybody. The good news for you is Private Money Club runs solely on peer-to-peer -peer relationships, which means no banks allowed. So finally, there's a community for real estate entrepreneurs where it is truly a win-win solution. This community is a place where you can connect with other lenders and other borrowers, and the end results, massive growth for you. You get to build your real estate empire, and you get to do it solving other people's problems. So if that sounds like a place you wanna be, well then join us. Go to privatemoneyclub.com forward slash Kelly. And if you want 500 bucks off, just add the code Kelly500 and I'll knock 500 bucks off the premier membership. We'll see you on the inside. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas podcast where attitude is everything. On today's show, I'm, I'm super excited to have these two young men with me. But also, I want to uh, give a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, first of all, uh, Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. Um, honestly, it's the only place to buy cars. Jim DiGiulio, uh, one of the owners of that uh, company, is absolutely phenomenal. Takes service to a completely different level and helped me to, do, uh, to understand the difference between transactions and relationships. Transactions happen once, twice, or three times, and relationships last for a lifetime. Uh, and also with Chris Nagel, he's not only changing the way that people think about money, but he's also creating generational change and breaking generational cycles when it comes to the thought of money and becoming your own bank. So I want to thank all the sponsors, and I want to thank uh, all the people that are listening, watching, and uh, sharing and helping us to get in the top 1% globally of all podcasts. Um, and it's only because of you. It's, we haven't done any promotion on that, um, you know, paid promotions. Uh, but you guys have shared it. You've, your voice is in, and we want to thank you for it. Um, but now for the two men of the hour. Uh, we, we labeled this um, episode the vibe of ministry because I think there's a new face of ministry. And that okay. face is sitting with me in the room here. And to be able to see you guys in ministry you're having a completely different take on it. And it's not the, the, the buttoned up collar, you know, everybody, you know, have to act like this, but it's a whole different side. These two young men have not only transformed so many lives in the North County area, but also for me personally and my own family, my son is a huge fan of both of you. And Maddox, I told him on the way to school, I'm having 
Pastor uh, uh, Chandler and Pastor Seth on the podcast today. And he was like, oh, man, that's so great. Can I come, Dad? I said, no, boy, you got to go to school. <laughs> and um, But it, it's incredible to be able to see both of their backgrounds, who they are, come from uh, different backgrounds, but having the same heart for the Lord and also the same heart that bringing a different type of vibe to ministry. So please welcome to the show Pastor Chandler Corazine and Seth McKenna. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Dang, dude. It's good to be back in the chair, man. Come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, man. So you guys don't look like normal pastors. Thank and you. so, yeah, well, I, I love the stash, Chandler. The Thank stash you. is on fire. It's like on a 10. Hey, you know, we got to have our indicators of who we are. <laughs> our call signs, some people could say. How is that a call sign for you? I don't know. And I don't know if I want it to be in retrospect. I kind of want to take that sentence back. <laughs> Dude, we're starting out so hot right now. <laughs> Real strong. <laughs> so, Seth, have, talk to me, too, because when I think about a pastor, I don't think about you. Like, you're so cool. You walked upstairs. You came in the studio today. Smells and it's just unreal. like, Oh, yeah. He, he smelled good for a podcast, right. which I think is hilarious. <laughs> but you come in, and it's like we, we, we chat. We talk about And you're not trying to throw – you didn't throw a Bible at me right away. But it's incredible to be able to see this new vibe in ministry. Like, why is that so important to you? And, and where's, where's your heart at in this? Well, I, I think that my heart is not to try and reinvent the wheel, to be really honest. Like, the scriptures are really clear. Like, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, like, who am I to try and be, like, a, a new face for, like, like, that's not it. Like, Jesus speaks for himself. Um, the scriptures speak for themselves and what he's called us to do as followers of him, um, is just to do everything in our power to represent him well. And so why not be approachable? Why not be who Jesus was, which was loving, accepting? Um, why not be somebody that, that is intentional on living a life of being approachable? Um, because honestly, I really feel like the best way to share the gospel is not necessarily in what you say, but it's in what you do. Like I think about this, Shannon actually was talking about this last night at his young adults ministry. I got to go and see it, it was incredible. Um, but he was talking about how you see a lot of times these individuals like that stand outside of baseball games or the, the events and they're holding up those massive signs that are like, repent, otherwise you're going to hell or turn or burn, you know, like one of those they things. They nailed it. I mean, that's what Jesus did. <laughs> right, right. Jesus hated people. Jesus yeah. literally just wanted everybody to feel so bad. Yeah. About themselves. Right? This yeah. is clear sarcasm. I'm looking right, right into the camera just to make sure that is understood. I think that but, the people that have, have been around you, yeah. uh, Chandler. I, I'm just, I got to clarify these things these days though and but, i want to let you know seth too chandler's the only person that came in the studio and kept his shoes on so oh, i just true. i want to let you know i but they're uh, fire so yeah oh, they are yeah. they are good there's yeah. some jordan ones what are these called what are these ones well these are the la to chicago so they were purple and yellow yes um but then when my uh my homie kobe died homie uh -huh. as in he was my friend yes we totally knew each other i uh i couldn't keep them purple and gold anymore so i took some rubbing alcohol to them and turned them red and black because they were designed to have like two colorways. So. so talk to me about this too, Chandler, because when we talk about sneakers and things like that, mm -hmm. there's there's points that you have that you can connect with certain people. Right. Like if you know sneakers and there's a sneaker person and you can talk like, nor, like and you actually can speak intelligently on it. Yeah. It connects you in a different way. What right. are some of those things in your life that you've put in play that have helped your ministry? Yeah, um, that's a great, that's a great identifying 
feature of because I, I purposely do those things to try and relate to people as much as possible. Did you try and relate to Magnum PI with this yes. mustache? Yeah, yes? no, that's what I did. I love um, that one too. That's a very that's strong. Do you relate to a lot of uh, police officers? Yes. yes? Uh, they, I don't get speeding tickets okay. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going 100 24 7, and they just know. Dude, that what? Ford Ranger that doesn't have taillights, don't give it a ticket. <laughs> Dude, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> but. I would say um, I, I I purposely look for commonalities with people and discussion starters. And so uh, I had a wise mentor tell me, uh, you know, a real man like or a man unlocks a whole new level of himself when he allows his hair to grow past his ears. That mentor was uh, my dreadheaded king, Kelly Cardenas. <laughs> and um, but like what happened was is I had to like in the awkward grow up phase, I had to wear a lot of beanies. It was over the winter. And so when I would go to coffee shops, I would legitimately just ask random strangers like, hey, where'd you get your beanie from? And then we would just have a conversation about be you'd be surprised how in-depth beanie culture is. But I would just have conversations. Where'd you get your beanie from? And then we'd start talking. I'd like get to know their name, like a little bit of like where they work, just little simple things. And I, I, I didn't tell every single person I met like, hey, God loves you. But I'm not going to lie, like when you find commonalities with people and you just start a conversation about something that you can tell they would want to have a conversation about, it's it's amazing uh, what can happen. Every time I go to a coffee shop, I, I order the same thing if I can, a pour over coffee, and I go to the baristas, they're making it. I'm like, hey, can you talk to me about your ratio? And next, you know, we're talking about coffee, and then like two minutes later, we're talking about their life and how they got into coffee and everything, and um yeah, I, I like to I would like to work on living in that way, uh, just because I think that's I th I think that's how you communicate value to people yeah. is you see them not for just the service that they do with the person that they are. Right. Right. So. Yep. How do you keep that like signature to that person as opposed to because there are people that technique you right mm -hmm. like they'll they'll have a certain technique and then they'll use it on everyone and then you'll be like I'm special when you hang with them. Mm -hmm. And then another friend will come up and they'll do the exact same thing. But mm -hmm. you too, what I've noticed is every time that you're around and in the presence of somebody, I get not a different Chandler or a different Seth, but I get a signature Seth to me that I don't see you doing to other people. How are you, when you're dealing with as many people as you are mm -hmm. dealing in youth ministry and, you know, young adult ministry and things like that, how are you able to keep that? Like, because you guys are a hundred all the time. How, how, help me with this. Mm. I think at the end of the day, it's having a strong security in who God has created you to be, but having a very firm awareness of where are people at and how do you come alongside them to meet them where they're at, right? Like I, I to Chandler's point, like I'm obsessed with learning about the culture behind stuff. Like I think it's fascinating. And so when I was in college, I really got into the shoe game as well. Even though I couldn't afford any shoes, I just loved learning about it because I started understanding the culture behind it. And to his point, it, it was a conversation starter. And so even though I was still wearing Vans, um, I could go up to somebody and talk to them about the shoes that they were wearing. And it was they, they were always shocked because they wouldn't picture somebody like me to come up and have a conversation or, around something that they care about so much. Um, and so at the end of the day, like, yeah, get to know what people love and find out what they uh, what what they're passionate about or the things that um, bring life out of them. 
And then if you can be a person that learns about the culture of that and, and then un get a true understanding of why it is that it brings them so much joy, then you got a phenomenal connection point right there. And that's the basis of great relationship. And so you can have a multitude of different types of relationships with a multitude of different types of backgrounds. So long as you have a common ground of like the agenda is not to get something from you. The agenda is to like always be giving something to you, which is love and friendship and, and the transaction there uh, you were talking about earlier, like the difference between transactional relationships and just relationships and whatnot is as simple as you have a, uh, you create a platform for vulnerability and that transcends whatever the connection point was initially. And at the end of the day, I just want to have real relationships with people. Like, can we end small talk? Like, <laughs> you know, can we go to a new, a new depth in this life? And can I learn about why you are the way that you are, have the platform given back to be able to share why I am the way that I am and us together build a relationship um, finding the commonalities, but then being able to have open, vulnerable dialogues about our differences. Chandler, when you're working with young young adults, you've got a sarcastic personality, which I absolutely love, and you're one of the funniest dudes. And to see you two go back and forth together, bantering is unbelievable. How do you control that sarcasm, though, <laughs> to connect with people? Because sometimes, I mean... Like you and I, we go back and forth and we'll get into it and we'll, you know, we, because we know each other. Sometimes people go sarcastic and have you guys ever had that friend that shows up to the party and they don't know anyone and they're trying to kick it, they're trying to get in the joke, but they have they ain't there yet. Right. And they right. keep saying the inside joke and you're like, you ain't down, no, you ain't right. down. Yeah. Right. How do you, how do you balance that? How do you both balance that? Yeah, I think for me, um, it's definitely like a, it, like a learned behavior that I learned from my dad. And I would say even in moments, like my dad's probably going to watch this. Oh, well, like even in moments, my dad will be that guy where he'll walk in and like, he'll instantly just jump on the joke. And people are like, yo, who is this guy? And I'm like, pops, you got to chill. And, um, and so I learned, I mean, I learned a lot of that. That was how love was communicating to my family, sarcasm, teasing the whole thing. And I definitely feel it out like with people of like, can you hang, you know? And if you can't, then I'll just, I'll be kind. I'll coddle you, you know, like if I have to. Um, but I think that when you complement sarcasm with also like a level of like investment and like intentionality where like I'll normally use that as like a conversation starter with a young adult and I'll like say something and then instantly we'll just flip it on them. I think that's like what the um, like the best comedians, you know, are guys that can set up a story and you don't know where it's concluding right? Like they, they hit you with something out of nowhere. And that's what makes you laugh is like that shock of the humor. And as a pastor, I've learned how to, as a, and a communicator, I've learned how to like work that as well. Like I want to be funny. I want to be funny. I want to be funny. And then boom, hit you with something that gets you thought provoking because when you're laughing, your walls come down and you're, you're able to be vulnerable. And so with young adults, if I can get them laughing, then they kind of feel like a little bit more comfortable with me. And then I can ask them like, okay, like how are you actually doing? Like what's actually going on in your life? Who actually are you? Um, and so I work, I work towards that. Um, but it's definitely a learned art that I was very bad at for a long time. And I still have to have moments of clarification. And that's why like I looked at the camera and I was like, Hey, because I'm learning that like, sometimes I just got to clarify it. So people like, are like, is this guy a heretic? Like, does he actually believe in Jesus? Like, yes, I do. But like, I also think God's really funny and he has a sense of humor. So like, 
Let's not take ourselves so serious. Let's take Jesus serious, but like, let's not take ourselves that serious. So. Well, I've seen you both relax in, in my relationships. Chandler, when we first met, yeah. I, I've seen you over the years relax with it and relax into it. And it's like, I noticed that people like the things are attracted to you now. Like they're coming to you and you already know it. You feel it and it's flowing for you and it's going to continue, continue to flow. Let's talk about the, the um, sense of humor of Jesus. And I'll, I'll give you an example. The other day I was at, at church. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so some people said it's my seat. Well, I, I like to sit in the front. Like, and no one ever sits in the front. That's your seat. No, no one ever sits there. No one. Right. Because and, it's Kelly's seat. Okay. No, but <laughs> it's seat. I just like the front. I, I do. And so I went to the front and I was, uh, you know, it was this somber time. And Ben, we're going to get Ben on the podcast too. And Ben did this prayer and he was like, he was in it. He, right. You know, he had that posture. He was ready and he was just delivering. It. And he was like, we're going to take communion. And I want you to see this as the body of Christ. And I want you to, you know, take the drink. And that's his blood that she shed for you. And all is forgiven. And I was there and I was in it. And then, uh, you know, my mom passed away about four and a half years ago, but my mom was like with me, like with Mm -hmm. me. She was like on my back. Mm -hmm. And she just whispered in my ear. She was like, don't you think if communion tasted better, more people would come to church, Kelly? And I started laughing. I started laughing. And everyone was like, everyone was looking at me. And a guy looking like me laughing by myself, I already look kind of homeless. So I could tell. And I was like, mom, mom. And now I'm talking to my mom who's not there. Right. And then she was like, but don't you get it, son? If they were to give out Twinkies and Mountain Dew, more people (laughs) would come to church. So when I say that, it was my mom's sense of humor about Jesus and being able to have a real relationship. Can you guys talk about that from a pastor's standpoint? How do you toe that line to help Mm -hmm. a kid know that you don't have to be that serious, but you were saying, you said it yourself. Like there are parts that are serious about Jesus, but if it's all serious, ain't no kid wanting to come. Mm -hmm. And most adults not wanting to come either because it ain't that fun. Mm. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to speak to this communion idea. I have a rebuttal. <laughs> what if we did grape Fanta in a bagel bite? That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. anything, because is it not the symbolism? It's right. the symbolism. It's not that like the, it, because we ain't going into the religion side, because if right. it really was. The, we're not serving wine at our church. I mean, some churches are, but we're not. And you don't have to, but it right, can, right. it could be water, but let's make it taste good. Right. I tasted yeah. that stale wafer, and right. when I tasted the stale wafer, my mom was like, Jesus don't taste like that. I yeah. don't know if it's actually a like real wafer. Like, I think it's when just I, a piece of styrofoam. I think it's a piece of styrofoam, personally. Yeah. Because here's the deal. I grew up in my like home church that I grew up in. On communion Sunday, we would have like a team in the like the church kitchen that would spend time breaking up like real unleavened bread, like matzah. Oh. They'd break it up into like pieces. Now, Big here's deal. the deal. Does it that, have to be unleavened? No, it was just like, it, it's That's the just rep- what it, was. it was the representation of what was then. Could Laura Siosi, shout out to her and Fred Siosi, could Laura Siosi bring sourdough, her own homemade, that she makes in her house, Right off of Aviara, I won't give yeah. you the, the, the exact uh, address because that's not polite. Right. But it is the best uh, sourdough bread of all time. Yeah, I she think, can bring sourdough bread to yeah. me anytime. Well, yes. I mean, that's actually one of my favorite of the breads. Would, would you want to take communion every week then? Yeah. I would. So I, I put it this way. 
because I've I've seen this like some churches will do like um like a grape and then like a goldfish cracker. Whoa. No. Yeah. Where is this church? And like the, as the cool as that is inside, inside. <laughs> yeah can you imagine the texture of that That'd be yeah sick. i saw you chandler you actually felt it yeah like you put yeah. it inside <laughs> and you felt moment. like yeah. and it's like the the exploding of the grape right. juice yeah and the the i would go cheese it though yeah, i like cheese I'm it a, a little bit guy yeah i just think that at the end of the day like it has to be like the heart behind it because it like Communion is a really important deal. Yes, absolutely. And so, like, to the point, like, yes, would a Twinkie and Mountain Dew taste better? Yes. I just don't know that I would be like, ah, I don't know. There's, like, there's, like, when it comes to symbolism, right? Yeah. That's sacrament. what, like, it's a sacrament of, like, being, like, symbolic. And so, yes, we don't believe that, like, the bread or the cracker or the wafer, like, actually is the body of Christ. Okay. We don't believe that. We don't believe that the, like, when, you know, like, the the juice or whatever we're using, like, turns into the actual blood of Jesus. Like, we don't believe in that. Um, but I do believe in using um, elements mm-hmm. that are still within the boundary line of, of solid symbolism. Of that it. makes sense. Just, just from the standpoint of, of honoring like how important that moment is of yeah. remembering what Jesus did for us. Now I would 1000% agree with you that we could definitely make it taste better. So where's the line though? Because, and I, I want to, I want to respect that line of, I joke about, and my mom was joking right. at that time. For now sure. I just had a podcast of a lady talking about her rain barrel, which was about the toxic things that we eat and how we are killing ourselves from the inside out and yeah. all that stuff. So Tina Cardell, I want to apologize that I said Twinkie and Mountain Dew, right. although they would taste really good. They would. Um, but where's the line where we, you know, we want to respect the 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 people who came before us. We want to respect those traditions. And I see where sometimes the traditions are so strict that people turn away. And then there's sometimes where it's so loose that it's not respectful. Right. Where's the line? Hmm. I think that our goal in life, whole goal in life, should be how do we, like, it's, a, it's actually a mission statement of our church. How do we learn to live and love like Jesus? And in that, the process is how do we honor God in all things? And this is a conversation, uh, our friend Lim, that I've had with him multiple times of um, a bad form of Christianity is sin awareness, how much do I sin? How can I sin less? That's, that's not what the goal is. The Bible says that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so if our goal is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then honoring God becomes a natural byproduct of how right. we live. Yep. So in that we have the ability to understand what we should and shouldn't do. And it's a, it's an understanding as well as like a basic understanding of like nutrition. If you have a basic understanding of nutrition, most of the time you'll understand that an 80, 20 model is what you need in order to live a healthy lifestyle. Yep. 80% clean, 20% freedom. Right. I don't think that applies to Christianity directly because, right. Because you can't just go like, oh, I'm going to be a Christian 80% of the time. And then 20% of the time I'm going to do whatever I want. Right. But I think the concept of finding a balance of understanding that your goal is health, 
your goal is longevity. Your goal is a, a balanced nutrition. When you go to Christianity and you think about your spiritual diet, the goal is understanding what are the things that are good for me? How can I get more of those in my life and enjoy those just as much as I used to enjoy the prior? Because that's the goal. Like you, No one will ever follow a diet if their diet is untasty. Like No one will eat bland chicken and rice and vegetables if there's no seasoning, if there's no flavor, if there's nothing added to them right and genuinely enjoy it exactly like it's 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 painful the bible the bible following the god the word of god is not painful but there is a process of that introduction that is painful because you're like whoa i was so used to doing all of these other things and now i need to lay those down and do something else and that is the lens at which we see life through and so when it comes to finding the line i think that i think that there there is a a little bit of personal discernment of like, I think it would be beautiful, Kelly, if you and your family, you know, practice communion, like however long you, however often you wanted to at your house with Twinkies and Mountain Dew, only because I think that just induces, introduces your children to God more and gives them another opportunity to develop their own faith. And so I think, I think that there's things that we know are specifically, I should not like drinking motor oil, like we should not do we know that that will kill us you know what i mean yep. like this isn't one of those drinking motor oil things um and so yeah I, I i don't i don't think that the bible is flexible necessarily like i wouldn't say that the, the word of god is flexible and you could make it whatever you want but i would say that like religion is rigid but a relationship is is able to like be formed so I want to ask you both the question on that, what, what you were just talking about, the difference between relationship and religion. Um, we are right now live on, on um, Facebook and YouTube. The only way that you can get this answer mm-hmm. is by going over to our YouTube because we're going to end the stream on Facebook and we want you to come over with us on to YouTube. By Facebook. So make sure that you do that. Come on over. <laughs> so we're doing that. So help me with this. You just said the difference between religion, relationship, but people ask me this all the time. If I mention the word God, I mention the word Jesus, they're like, oh, you're religious. I'm like, no, I'm not religious. What's the difference? So I'd, I'd, how would Maddox understand this? At 11 years old, how could we say, like, how could we place it to him in a a consumable way for him to understand? So I, I would put it this way. At the end of the day, there was this big wave, um, probably like in 2010, 11, 12, where this phrase started getting used a lot. Like, I'm not religious or like Jesus isn't about religion. He's about relationship. Like, the, at least this is when I started seeing it. It was like in my, you know, mid high school, late high school years that I started hearing this all the time. And you know what? The reality of it is like it, it sounds really good, but at its core, it it's kind of faulty because having a relationship with God, like you are still like you're buying in to a religion. Like I am a Christian. That is a religion. And so, but there's, but I think where, where there's this um, miscommunication is to the depths that you can be a religious person and not look like a Pharisee. You can be a religious person and not be somebody who, um, who is unpalatable 
but Bre- break down Pharisee for for a person. So Pharisee was known as there was a group of of individuals uh, in the ancient Bible times. Uh, we see them talked a lot about in the New Testament. Jesus um, oftentimes was in confrontation with them, and they held themselves to this better than thou kind of lifestyle. However, their lifestyle was full of hypocrisy. Okay, and so they would they would look at and it was it was like what can i take from everybody around me to elevate myself in the name of god or trying to use the scriptures to do so um while at the same time not actually living out a lifestyle for it are you speaking about the pharisees or or social media (laughs) (laughs) hello (laughs) but to to what seth was saying i i i push back on it a little bit in that like everyone is religious like people that say they're not religious are just socially unaware or personally unaware because wow. a religion is essentially just a value system that you subscribe to right they're like that's that's all it is and so when people are like i'm not religious you are you just don't know what your religion is correct and so what the why i sit back and i have full confidence in understanding that I can tell people, fine, don't have a religion. I don't care. Like, is because when you when you step into a relationship, there is also like a religion-like agreement that happens. Let's take, for example, our relationship with our wives. When we step into a relationship with our wives, we're making an agreement on some vows and yep. a covenant that we have committed to. Yep. And so because of that, we have an understanding that that relationship also comes with conditions. And the Bible talks about how God's love is unconditional. And it is. Like, God will love anyone that loves him back. And so that is all it takes, is loving God back. And so while there is, like, a need for understanding, like, what the religion is, it's not so much necessary that we subscribe to the fact that we are religious, but we subscribe to the fact that we have an agreement in the specific relationship we've committed to with God and how that's been defined by our earthly finite brains that need to have a box to contain something so that we can feel safe is this word religion. Yeah. Yeah. And so everyone's religious. Yeah. It's just like some people, like we were joking when, when you're like, send me a picture, I sent you a picture of Matthew McConaughey (laughs) and like, like that's my dog. But I would say that Matthew McConaughey is borderline creating his own religion around his green lights book and like what's being developed around that whole system. Yep. And so like Tony Robbins, he's created his own systems. They're phenomenal things, but some people can see that as like their value system for defining themselves. And so all of these things are not inherently bad. They aren't. They're value systems that you use to define and how you operate life. But what is the core value that defines you? As right. Christians, right. we go back to Jesus. Yeah. And so, yes, that is our core religion that defines everything. But that core religion is birthed out of an understanding that God loved us. We love God back. Therefore, we act in a way that is honoring of that relationship. Yeah. In the same way, I act in a way that is honoring the relationship I have with my wife. Yeah. By doing X, Y, and Z, I do the exact same thing with God. Right. So how do you guys, when you're leading people, and I mean, this is profound. Like that's, I mean phenomenal how do you not become a god through that process because there's a lot of people that will listen to that and be like damn chandler's the man they heard stuff that seth was talking about seth is the man he got the way 
Right. And then what we see is that guy that was the kind of revolutionary or pointing the eyes to over here, it starts to kind of feel good to them. And they're like, mm -hmm. damn, all those people oh, yeah. listen to me. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then they add a little bit of their own spice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, well, if you do this too, and then that person becomes a god. Yeah. Yeah. How does, like, how do you protect against that? So, um, pretty simple. Uh, who's in your circle? If, if you have a solid group of core individuals that are in your life that are not yes men and yes women, um, that is probably one of the, the biggest lines of defense from that. I'll put it this way. Chan's my boy. We do a lot of things together. He was my first friend when I moved to North County. He took me to play golf, and like I'm like, this is, this is a dream come true. Here we are. We were actually like looking at tea times for tomorrow morning, like together. You know, it's just I like, didn't. I didn't get an invite. But <laughs> you're always invited, dude. I didn't know you play. I don't play. I oh, mean, I'll okay. go. You know yeah, what I mean? I'll go. Yeah, I rock I, with that. I feel like I'll be closer to the Lord. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll take some communion out there, <laughs> some, some Gatorade and a protein bar or something. Uh, you know what I mean? Hot dog and a yeah. diet coke. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, here's the thing: is Chandler and I are at a degree in our friendship where I, I, anything I do in this life is enjoyable when he's around. However, I also know that the second I start thinking that I'm bigger than the message I'm proclaiming and that I am um, above the, the call that God has put on my life and the second, like I can't even flinch outside of line without him having full liberty to bring correction in that and it's a vice versa thing and so how like check your circle right you hear it all the time show me the people that you hang out with and i'll show you your future and so i'm trying to be around individuals that i can build relational equity with that i know can keep me in line on the things and i have i, I don't have a huge circle that has that chandler my boy david like there's a couple other guys that um have that um, place. Uh -huh. And the thing is, is I know like they can only gain access into that circle if they themselves are also submitted to that same commitment, that same value system uh -huh. that we are not going to do that. So, because I know that Chandler is not in this life trying to just like get as much as he can to climb the ladder of success for the sake of building his own brand or his own name. Um, I, I feel total um, trust in bringing him into that circle because that's also where I'm at. Like, yeah, what we experience in this life is solely a blessing from God. So something that you said to me one time, I, I asked you and you, you, it was like, you punched me in the mouth. I, uh, I said, can you pray for my audience? I really want to expand my audience. And you were like, uh, stop playing to the audience and start playing to what God will have you to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I was like, I don't like you anymore, Chandler, at all. I'm not going to ask you for prayer anymore. <laughs> a lot of people I'm say that I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. <laughs> no, but it was it was such a cool thing. I've got it written in my Bible. And it was like, I, it was not something I wanted to hear that day. But it was like, it, it rings in my ears all the time. And then I think about the example of, of who Jesus was. Like, whenever he healed, he actually told people not to talk about him. And then he left right away. Yeah. Yeah. Why did he leave so fast out of town? Because mm -hmm. I could tell you this. Like, I mean, if I healed some people, like if I, if you guys had some ailments 
if you did it, we'll have dinner. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I would invite your family over right. and be like, yo, you see my boy right. Chandler? He right. did, you know, his right. leg was broken before, but now he can walk. It right. was Jesus, but you know, right. like, you know, right. Right. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and it, and it goes to also like a continuation of what Seth was saying. It comes back to like, it comes back to humility. And, um, I, I will never speak on people I don't know. Like, I know I mentioned, like, Matthew McConaughey, Tony Robbins, whatever. Like, I don't know those guys personally. I don't know what their circle looks like. I don't know how humble they are. I only see what their pro public projection is. And you made a joke about it. Social media, who knows? Um, but I think um, a lot of the reason why I actually, I, I wrote a, a sermon on this, and I kind of, like, I just finished my, my master's degree and um, wrote it, like, my capstone on spiritual formation and a lot of looking at the life of Jesus and his leadership and um, Jesus was very clear that solitude is a great place, um, for humility. It's a great place for testing. It's a great place for revival. It's a great place for, um, uh, enlightenment from God. It's, it's, um, it's necessary. And so yes, surrounding yourself with people who like, um, aren't impressed with you 24 seven, but are fans of you, um, is important because they're going to call you out on stuff. But then I think also remembering, Again, what is like, what is it called? Come back to uh, if you're only surrounded by your friends, but you're never in time alone, like with God. Yes, you are going to you are going to find yourself in a place where you think you are the answer. Right. Where you think the power that you have came from you, came from your own thought, came from your own understanding. And it, it's it's this humility that like none of us can control if our heart is going to continue beating. When's the last time either one of you got checked in it? You know what I'm saying? Like when God was like. That was me, um, and pulled you and reeled your butt back in. That was two weeks ago for me. I got rocked two weeks ago. What happened? I had a moment where um, my wife was, we were watching TV, uh, a little bit of Ted Lasso. Oh, we're so hey. in deep and right now. Yeah. Oh, we're I so I believe in it's deep. spiritual. Yeah. It's you know what I'm saying? It's from heaven. Really yes. good show. Is that communion? Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, depending on how you're looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how it could be, but sure. Uh, but uh, so we're watching TV in bed, and uh, my wife was, You and Seth? Yeah. No. Okay. Definitely <laughs> not, <laughs> no. <laughs> Disclaimer. It did not happen. No. Uh, no, you guys said you were really close. Yeah. I, I, I know. Mean, he said that, and I was we, like, hold on. Time it. out. Yeah. Seth. Okay. Let's, it was. let's clarify this relationship. Okay. Cool. Um, but <laughs> me and my wonderful wife, Andrea Joy Corzine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh we're we're watching tv and hanging out and she's like i want to have some food so she like makes a little bowl of soup and she's sitting in bed and i i'm not the biggest fan of hold on she made some soup she's a big soup gal she's from washington she just had know. some soup like yeah, that on deck she did i've never had like i want a snack have you ever had a snack and been like i'm gonna get some, some soup. soup what kind of right. soup was this uh soup of toscana so soup was it Italian. in a can no, she, she made up some soup. Well, she had made a batch and then okay. it was just chilling in the fridge. And Did she, she use a ladle? Probably. I don't even know if we have a ladle. Did she go cu a coffee cup? No. See, that's the issue. This is where we're getting to what okay. happened. All right. Oh, was I can't wait. instead of like a container that would be suitable for use in a bed, which in my opinion is no container, no, no food in the bed, Correct. but Correct. whatever. Okay. It's my wife. Do, is, had you made that line? Have you drawn the line when you were? No, it's, it's, it's not it's in your her, marriage vows. It's, it's an her, uncommunicated expectation. Okay. It's an uncommunicated It's her bed just as much as it is mine. So if she wants to make these decisions. Okay. She's an adult. She can make them. Right. I'm not, I'm not her authority. I'm her husband. Okay. And so she wants to eat soup in soup. bed. Go for it. As a snack. 
And so I, she, she I, I adjust. I'm a big man. When I adjust, the bed moves a little bit. I adjust how I'm laying. Her soup falls over, <laughs> pours on me. <laughs> and <laughs> it wasn't super hot, but it was uncomfortable. And I was also thinking there's now soup in the bed. Was it burning? No. It Not was burning? just it was just more of like I hate feeling wet only on part of my body. <laughs> so, so she she went lukewarm soup? She had been eating it for a minute. And so okay. it was just kind of sitting there. And then I got out of the bed and I was frustrated and I had my phone in my hand. What's the first thing you say? I didn't say a word. Nothing. I go quiet when I'm upset. Did you make a noise? Uh, Did probably. you scream? Because my brother, shout no. out to Rob Cardenas, a lot of times he goes, ah, like, no. and he makes that noise. Ah. I, so, I, I, <laughs> you didn't I, make any noise. My wife does not like, like loud noises when it comes to like moments of tension. So I have to be very careful because I was raising, like I was raising an Italian household. The volume increases. And so like the first time my wife and I were like, not even in an argument, but like we're like having an, in, like a passionate discussion about something. My volume kept getting louder and she's like, why are you yelling at me? And I was like, I'm not yelling at you at all. I'm just talking. And she's like, you're literally yelling. And I was like, I wasn't aware. My fault. And so I got out of bed and I had my phone in my hand and I just put my phone down on the dresser because I was like, I have to start cleaning now. And I was frustrated. I'm not going to lie. I was frustrated. But I didn't spike my phone. I just put it down on the dresser. And then started cleaning. I was like silent, like laying in bed. And my wife's like, starts crying a little bit. And I look at my phone and I had shattered it. <laughs> like shattered my phone. <laughs> and my wife, my wife looked at me in the most loving, but like direct way. Said like, hey, that's not going to fly in our marriage. Like you don't get to do that. You don't get to respond like that. You don't get to do that. And I looked at her and I said, I, I understand. I shouldn't have done that. And I, and I communicated to her. I wasn't mad at you. I was mad at the situation. And I acted in, inappropriately out of it. And for like 48 hours after that, I was not okay. Because I had this moment of just like, gosh dang it. I like, I made my wife feel like I was so upset at her that I broke my phone. And like from the outside looking in, that looks disgustingly toxic. Like it looks horrible. I've already gone, I've gone to therapy since. I talked to my therapist about it. Everything's fine. But I just got checked in that moment of like, I, and I realized I hadn't had a good conversation with like a close friend other than like my wife i think the wife like the the marital relationship is important but i also think like seth said your circle is also really important we've talked about this a lot like in in the men's group that i was a part of for a while with you and um <laughs> he, he checked out seth seth and Chandler. Yeah. we're gonna get into that later on like oh, are we the shoot. stinky I'll, kids i'm gonna blame my boss okay are we the, yeah i'll right. blame my boss we'll change the day yeah. All right, great. We'll change the day and time. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so I, I had a conversation that next day with someone, and I said, "Hey, this is what I did. Um, didn't mean to like communicate that I was mad at my wife in this way because I was. I genuinely was not mad at her. I was like just frustrated. Like there's soup on me and there's soup in the bed, but like I was like, it is what it is. Like we're just gonna clean it. And did you change the sheets? Did you? Oh have to, yeah, we you had to change the sheets. We changed the sheets. We had to clean like I had to like clean the mattress because like. <sighs> But, like, luckily, it doesn't smell like soup, which is great. Because that was my biggest fear of, like, I, my least Your favorite. biggest fear is your bed smelling like soup? Bro, name something worse. I, I don't know. I mean, but it, you grew up with that fear? I don't know. Or did it just happen? No, it's I... It's like a peanut I allergy. Hate, I hate when I go to bed and it smells like food. Because it makes me nauseous. Uh, did, you, you've never experienced that? I, I, I can't say that my bed's ever smelled like... I don't know that my wife or anyone I've ever met in the world has ever been like, I'd like a snack. I'm going to go get a ladle 
and have soup some soup that I you made. know one person now because you know Andy. Dude, that's soup. Yeah. That's the next level, right? That's that next level of the game. She yeah. misses she misses Washington a little bit, you know. So she's like, I need to pretend like soup is actually a solid food for people. <laughs> when have you got checked, Seth? Um. Well, it wasn't like nearly that aggressive. Okay. <laughs> Let's but time out right there. There's judgment. Let's just take there's Chandler's judgment. knees out. Oh, yeah. Chandler's one of my close friends. Everything's enjoyable with him. Double middle fingers to Chandler. That aggressive tyrant over there. Well, you smashed your phone Jeez, over some soup, bro. man. I didn't mean to. Yeah, but, you, dude, you broke your phone. Did you, do you still, is it still cracked? Oh, that phone's, I had to get a new phone. You had to get a new It broke completely. And, and like, you said you set it down soft. What was the iPhone mini? So I'm 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 banking on that. that iPhone it mini? Yeah. Where'd you get that from? I love it. From Will Ferrell on the... Yeah, <laughs> I got it at the Toys R Us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Where do you... Are they still in I, business? Yeah. An yeah, iPhone mini? Raging. Yeah, iPhone how, mini. How small was it? It, was, it wasn't like... It's like this is... This is like what? I think like a 14. Like the mini yeah. was like maybe like a half inch in oh and then like uh like maybe like a half inch yeah. down so okay. it wasn't like massively smaller than this but it was like i have proportionately i have small hands for a man my height so i like having a phone that fits yeah. and it just i just put it down like this face down bam and it oh. just shattered but when it shattered it also broke the cellular like hardwire hair hardware i think that was jesus no yeah. i actually think that that's it was a improper phone case Probably personally, I, I would say that I don't think that was your force. I think that it exactly. was. I think that it was. He's uh, damn, he, he just judged you and He's then said you're not strong right. enough to be able to crack. No, your I wasn't phone. judging. I, I was simply saying that the. He's check, also a better golfer than me, okay. so it is what it is. Is that true? Massively, yeah, yeah. Massively I've seen better. your shots on Instagram. Yeah, it is unbelievable. Right. Yeah, do you? Man. But do you believe that you have favor because you're a pastor to be able to golf better? No. no, because I'm a pastor and I've been a pastor longer <laughs> yeah. and I don't golf better than him. Do, do you ever use your pastorism? Is that even a word? Do you ever use your pastorism to kind of get to the front of the line? Because <laughs> I, I now figuratively and mentally, I, I joked with, I joked with uh, Pastor Jason's daughter the other day. We were, uh, I was picking Maddox up from Sunday school and I, and she was like, how are you doing? And I, I knew who she was. And she was, she's amazing. She's such a nice girl. And I looked at her and I said, do you think that you're, because you're a pastor's daughter, that your uh, prayers get answered first? And <laughs> I kept a straight face and she looked at me and she was like, uh, She's the sweetest girl. She was probably so rattled by yeah, that. Yeah, she was rattled and she looked at me <laughs> like, wow, why would you ever ask me that? And I was like, cause it's funny. I think yeah, it's funny, yeah. you know, but have you ever, have you ever used your pastorism? To I don't think I ever have, and I think if I did, never? I would want to get. I mean, like I can't. What think about of an in prayer? That's, well, what about in prayer? No. Like, you, have you ever been like, you know what? If God, anything, come on. No, if anything, it's the opposite. Uh, the Bible says you're going to be judged more harshly if you're. Yeah. Just like Seth judged you just yeah, a second ago. Exactly. Yeah. He placed it upon you. I misspoke. All right. Okay. <laughs> I misspoke. You I love failed. You so much. No, I <laughs> <laughs> no, but the reality of it is, is um. Uh, how would you feel if you knew that you were in a position of authority where people look to you for probably one of the most um, heavily weighted uh, desire or like heavily weighted um, uh, pursuits, which is is spiritual yeah. transformation, spiritual growth, right? Yeah. So like the reality of it is, is the, the role of being a pastor um, when you're not in it 
uh, and you grow up in the church is a very desired position, which I'm like, I, I really don't understand why it's so desirable. I think what they see is like you're on stage and you have a microphone and people listen to you and you have influence. And so people attribute um, being a, a communicator or a preacher as like this desirable thing because it, they in their minds, it's like some sort of influence because you're speaking in a way that's trying to help people grow in their relationship yeah. with the Lord, right? Like my, my whole desire is to see people grow in their relationship. First off, like experience the presence of God, realize, oh wait, he is real and he loves me. And, um, and because of that, now what? Like that means that there has to be a purpose to all of this. And so then helping kind of teach them how to live out your purpose here on this life in a way that's represent like honoring God, glorifying him and so forth. So, but, but the reality of it is, is like, um, it is the least desirable position to be in, especially when it comes to like your own mental health, because you know that everybody has this viewpoint of you that you got it figured out. You do it the right way. You don't have any struggles. At least that's the appearance from the outside in. And that's the stereotype. Pastors aren't allowed to struggle because if we struggle, then we shouldn't be a pastor. Mm. And so there's this then th this place like you are stuck where you're like, hey, if my humanism, which is still a very real thing, is coming up and I am facing that, then it, it, it's almost like mentally you're like, God is looking past me and, and, and like he's not even hearing me. He's not hearing my and, and I can't mess up. Because if I mess up, then I'm let I'm not only letting God down, but I'm letting all of his people down. So the, there's like the, the viewpoint of like, oh, like God hears your prayers, not mine, is is about the furthest thing from the truth. Because from our lens, where we sit, we're like, Lord's probably he hearing everybody else's prayers rather than ours, because we're stuck in this place of like trying to be a representation of perfection mm. um, and knowing that you're never going to be able to achieve that. How much weight does that cause on you guys as pastors, you know, um, in, in that part and how can a congregation help you? Like what, if you could, if you could speak to the congregation, we won't, I won't tell anyone either. So this is just between us. Right. This is a podcast that's yeah, on the just, top 1%. Just between us. Yeah, top 1%. Yeah. Top, top 1%. So, so but what, what, what kind of pressure is that first? And then also, too, what can the congregation do to make your mission maybe a little easier? Um, I think there's, well, there's a lot of layers to it. Um, so many. And let's I start with say, the first one. Yeah. Actually, let's layer. start with like the third layer. Artichoke. Yeah. Okay. So quick nugget. First things first. People want to be, the, uh, people would want to be a teacher until they see what it takes to teach. So like that, like the desire of wanting to be a pastor is because they only see the teaching. They don't see the pastoring. Right. Once people get to see what it's actually like to be a pastor yep. and to go to someone's house the day before they die and to pray with them and to sit with the family when they're crying and to set up for a funeral and to do the pastoral things changes things. So I'd say that's the first yep. one. It's like people that think like pastors have a posh life. The pastor has done a bad job like modeling what a pastor is. They've okay. only shown what it's like to be a celebrity teacher. So there's that. And then I think the congregation doesn't need to do anything easier on the pastor. The pastor has agreed to a calling in a, in, in a lifetime of service in the same way Jesus modeled. 
And so I don't need the congregation to understand my job is hard. Like, cause if I do again, that just makes it about me right, and right. I don't want that, but to, to, to still answer your question and to not act like Lim Yusita and not answer the question you asked, Lamb, shout <laughs> out. Uh, I would say that, um, a congregation needs to understand what Seth like so, to what Seth was saying. Um, pastors are humans. They're in progress and they're working very hard at becoming just like Jesus in the same way you are. And so if you have a moment where you get frustrated and you flip off someone in traffic, your pastor is able to have a moment. Hypothetically. Yeah. Your pastor is able to have a moment where hypothetically his wife spills soup in the bed and he accidentally breaks his phone (laughs) getting out of bed because he's a little bit perturbed. Right. But then he's malleable and understands that he sins and he falls short (laughs) and he confesses that to his friends. He apologizes to his wife and he gets right with God. So help me with this though, because let's talk about the physical side of it because for me, okay, as a speaker, right? So when I go and speak to companies, organizations, and businesses, when I go and speak, like maybe I shouldn't say this, but I always ask for everyone to move to the front. Yes. Because I'll give you more energy if you're in the front. Yeah. And if I see empty seats and it's speckled all over the place, you're probably not going to get as much from me. Mm. I tell them another thing, lean in, yep. right? So if you lean in towards me, I'm going to think that you're interested in what I say. Yep. And then I'm going to give you more. And then I said, if you want to go to that next level, tilt your head to the left. Because when you tilt your head to the left, your heart's on the left, and it shows that you're actually caring about what I'm saying. Mm. husbands that are out there listening, tilt your head to the left when your wife is talking to you. See what happens. Mm. And then shake your head at less than one second per shake. Now, when you shake faster, it means shut up. I got my stuff. Right. Body <laughs> language says if you shake less than one second, you are there, you're listening, you're taking it in. And then here's that next, next level. This is that Jordan level, not that LeBron level, because that ain't real. Oh, I'm talking about that Jordan level we're going to, because yeah. Jordan 4s are up there, right yeah, up there. Right. You yeah. see them, the breads, 89s, and yeah. ain't no sh- a shoe like LeBron like that. Ain't, ain't happening. Right. They're ugly. Yeah, ain't happening. Plus 6-0 and oh in the finals. That's what I want to – that's the level that we're going to. Right. If you want to go to that level, every now and again, look up towards the ceiling, open your mouth, and say, ah. When you do that in an audience, you will get the most out of the speaker. It's a thing that every Sunday when I come, and if you're at daybreak, come to the front. Mm, Right. I believe you'll get more out the pastor. Come to the front. Fill in the spaces. Come to the front. Be there. And react. You don't have to be fanning yourself and yelling out and doing all this stuff, but I'm saying for an audience, for me, when I do that, when an audience does that for me, I play on a whole different level. As a pastor, what can the congregation do in that sense to be able to bring the best out? A lot of what you just said. I mean, um, I, I wrestle with this because I love it. And you, you know, as a, as a public communicator, everything that you said, I affirm it it makes it easier on the communicator when the, the crowd or the audience or the congregation or whoever you're speaking in front of is, um, actively participating in 
the conversation or yeah. in the talk. Um, but I used to like hold, like I used to have this phrase, like a quiet church is a dead church. Okay. And, um, and then I like, I had this, this check of like, if I keep, if I keep shaming a congregation for not engaging, um, the reality of it is, is I'm assuming that their, their lack of verbal agreeance is them disconnected when the reality of it is, is what if I had an audience or a congregation of very, very deep, intelligent thinkers and, uh, and the reason as to why they're not verbally saying something is because they are in deep, deep processing of what is being said. And I think that it's a, it's a balance though. I, I think that there's a level of like, um, we kind of have had this, this push, you know, when, Chandler's had me speak at young adults, like during, you know, like introing me to like come up on the stage be like, Hey, make it easy for him to preach tonight. Like it's an, it's an invitation to the, to the community at large of like, Hey, if you do exactly that, you lean in, you're taking notes, you're, um, you're letting him know when something's good. Uh, it does, it brings something out as a communicator, as a, uh, specifically in our context as preachers, um, you just start locking in a little bit more and you, you, you really do feel like, um, you know, like you can go to a whole nother level, a whole nother gear gets kicked in, um, communicating to a room where everybody's just very like body language is I'm not receptive. I'm closed off looking at you very staunch, um, looking bored or like even um even borderline falling asleep like that's probably the worst like i've seen i've preached for like people been like asleep in the crowd I'm like well, oh that's and, the worst and uh, I, I think it goes to when you were talking about relationship and religion now i'm not talking about the person that is like yahoo for yahoo's sake i'm saying that if you put your heart in that place and you come in like with wanting eyes if this didn't translate i went to right. mexico and I said to the translator, I said, say wanting eyes. He was like, I can't. And I was like, and I said, well, just say the word wanting and then eyes. He's like, you don't want me to translate that. And, <laughs> and, but I was saying like wanting, like when you come in expecting, like when a congregation comes in expecting the word, they right. come in expecting that God's going to show up. They come in expecting that stuff yeah. as opposed to like, what do you got for me today? Is there, I mean, am does that does that resonate with you guys? Or? That's that's the big thing, and it's that expectation. Um, churches will continue to struggle, and ministries will continue to um, honestly not flourish when communities are more fixated on coming to hear a pastor preach than they are coming to be expectant to encountering the King of Kings. Wow. Like, like, um, I mean, he's been in the game longer than I have, so he can probably have a whole lot more stories of this, but think about like your youth ministry days. Um, we have coming up at the end of June, like our summer camp. And so we're going to have a ton of kids that were taking a summer camp. And the same thing is true that you always see at these camps. These kids have a radical encounter with God. They are like, oh, wow, like he's real. And then there's time for discipleship there's time for actually breaking that down but you see that the last night of camp and the first night of camp are about as different as it gets and i have heard hundreds of kids because i've been doing the camp game a long time hundreds of kids say man i wish it was like this at youth group every week 
And it's like, hey, it can be. The reason as to why you encountered what you just did last night is because you came with an expectant heart to encounter God. You're not doing that on a weekly basis. Your community at large, that's not your culture. There's not a hunger like there was when you were at camp. So I don't know. You got anything out of that, dude? Yeah, I think um, I think expectation is big. Um, for me as a communicator, I do I agree with everything that you said. Like I want people in the front. I want people to take notes. I like to say it's not because I think I have something amazing to say, but I think that um, God is always speaking, and it's a matter of if we're always listening. And notes never forget what God says. There's a reason why in the Bible God encouraged his chosen people to leave stones of significant moments where God encountered them. It's so that you could come back to those those seasons where you're like, I don't even feel God is real. Oh, I have 25 different monumental moments I can go back to. Okay, right. God's real. This is just a tough time. I'm going to make it through. God's going to show up. He's consistent. He's the same. Um, but yeah, I think it is a lot about it. Like, what, why, like, why are you going to church? Are you going to church because it's your religion and you're doing it so that you can check a box? Or are you going to church because you have a relationship with God and you love the opportunity to celebrate that with a bunch of people around you. Yeah. I love watching the Dodgers every single time I can at home. However, when I can get to Dodger stadium and be surrounded by a bunch of Dodgers fans oh, yeah. and scream my face off when they win, they score a touchdown, whatever. Score a touchdown. <laughs> oh. I was looking at the, <laughs> the Houston early zone when they hit a home run, like have those, those moments in my life. Like uh, it's, it's night and day. You know, and yeah. that's what the church is. Yeah. It's a moment of agreeance and celebration of a shared value system yeah. and a shared experience and a shared relationship with the same God. How do you get that across? And I was just, I want to compliment you both because for those of you who haven't heard Chandler or Seth speak, um, if I'm lying, just stop me. But when I hear you guys speak, I've texted you afterwards because I have notes for you. And I've sent the notes to you. I don't know if I've sent my notes of yours to you, but you are two of my favorite speakers I've ever heard in my mm. life. And I, I live in that world. Thank you. And it's unbelievable to be able to see it. For me, years went by before I ever got to be around any Tennessee Titans fans because there isn't any um, on this side of the country the or Mississippi. the world. Yeah. And let's take it back even further. A Houston Oilers fan, right. there, was, there was none except in Houston. And I remember the first time going to the stadium in Tennessee and being around people who actually had a jacket on that right. I didn't look like a freak because I looked like a freak my whole life because I, well, I, I had different haircuts and stuff like that. You got a Houston Oilers jacket because it was the only one they had at your size in the department store. That's what I'm talking about. And nobody else had that. Right. But can you talk about that? I want to go down that place because being around people who are a fan of what you're a fan of, it's a whole different experience. But right. when you said the Dodger part, it hit me because I never thought about church that way. Yeah, that's what it is. Like, yeah. we we like to say at Daybreak that church is not a service you attend, a family in which you belong. And if you are only a fan of something, when you are at the thing, you're not a fan of it. You know, like a, a, a true fan of something is is it's it's a part of their life and they go from being a fan to a follower right they they follow the team they follow their success they follow their stats da, 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 the whole thing in the sports analogy there 
you go from being a fan of Jesus to a follower of Jesus when your interactions with Jesus aren't just contained to the four walls of church. That's so good, dude. And so you're not just a fan in the audience participating in the exciting thing. You're a follower because it's continuing the actions and the nature of your very being and existence everywhere you go. Right. What do you guys struggle with as pastors in the word? Like, Give me a scripture that when you when you read it, you're like, I love, and then you just kind of flip the page. Yeah, I got I got one I was reading yesterday. Seth, you can answer first if you got one off. What do you What do you got? I don't got anything off the top of the dome right now. I I was looking at this passage uh, yesterday. Um, oh, uh, yeah. anyways, okay. I I'll okay. find I'll find the address later. I just want to speak on it. It's it's when Jesus the address. Is, Tell us the where the verse can be found in the Bible. Yes. Okay. Um, do you do you guys prefer do you guys prefer digital Bible? You prefer regular Bible. I like the physical Bible more, like but the, the digital is convenient. Digit, yeah. You you go digital. No. You go physical. No, I like physical. Like when I'm doing my devos, I use a physical Bible. My Devo. Tell them what a devo is. When I read my Bible, just for me. Okay. I'm not yeah. going looking for like how to communicate scripture to other people. I'm just looking for my. How own often do you yeah. devo each of you? You gotta be in the word every day. Do every I day. do it every day? No, yeah. but that's okay. like the the pursuit is to try and be in it okay. every day. Yeah. Um, What's the most unorthodox thing that God has ever told you? Unorthodox. Yeah, like one time yeah. He told me to listen to gangster rap. Oh. And I was listening to Hillsong. I turned on Hillsong. Yeah. And I was like, I was getting ready because I was preaching at this church, and very honored, Lance Kaufman. Shout out to him. And I was ready, and I, was, I got up, and I was like, look, I'm going to run. I don't run that often, but I was like, I'm about to preach, so I was like, I mm. might as well try and get my fitness on. And I got out there to run, and I turned on Hillsong. He was like, no, 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 turn on Jay-Z. And I was like, what do you mean, Lord? Like, I need to get in the spirit. And he said, I want you to get in the spirit of hip-hop. The reason why is because every hip-hop artist – well, no hip-hop artist has ever said, I'm the second best in the world. Every hip-hop artist in the culture of hip-hop is, I'm the greatest MC that's ever been. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm the greatest MC that's ever been. There is nobody that I play second to. And I want you to feel that through the lyrics. And so I turn on Jay-Z and I was running and I was in it. And then I got to deliver the word. And when I delivered the word, he said, I will share my glory with no man. Mm. But it came from hip-hop. What's the most unorthodox thing that God has told you? Mm. I think I think what you're what you're hitting on is 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 really important as you understand like preaching and even like being a Christian of um God the Bible is very clear that God likes to use broken people and God likes to use people where they are with their specific influence. Romans talks about how we're all different members of the same body with different roles and purposes. Um, and you waking up early, going on a run and putting on Hillsong is not who God has made you to be. You know what I mean? And so you're going up there to preach from a place of inauthenticity when preaching is just, it should come out of a personal revival and revolution within your own relationship with God and praying and contending for the congregation that you're going to be speaking to. So to answer your question though, um, most unorthodox thing I should, I think God has asked me to do, um, is, uh, like the amount of times that I've completely like moved or transitions from things that were good. 
like you would like most people think like oh you got a good thing going you stay there as long as possible and I was in Washington working at a church I loved uh doing a job I loved it was cool it was great it was fun um and then I was praying I just felt kind of had this uneasiness and had an opportunity to come interview at daybreak and when I did uh considered it came down here and in the process just said God if you want me to be here you got to make it clear Five minutes later, I got a text message that my house had burned down. Like, you can say it's a coincidence. I'm going to say it's God. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, you can live a boring life and say, like, oh, yeah, what a random coincidence. No, I prayed for clarity, and God literally took away my home. So I had to go find a new one. Are you scared to pray for clarity now? Because you're like, I don't want to pray for it because he's going to burn down my house again. No, dude. I'm joking with you. That renter's insurance check was (laughs) clean, bro. (laughs) Like that was, that was how I knew it was God is that, that check that came in the mail favor, bam, favor, get renter's insurance. If you don't have it, yeah. <laughs> a shameless plug yeah. of the podcast. We, we are now <laughs> sponsored by Allstate. So <laughs> yeah, get on it, bro. That $20 a month will save you 20 bucks a month. will get, will help you. And it'll help you on your mission with the Lord. Amen. Yes. Unorthodox. Um, DM some chick online from Ohio. Yeah, I was literally just going to say like, probably the entire story of me and my wife. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, help this out because you just you just blew him up. I just want, I didn't want my dog to struggle, so you I just, just gave him the biggest layup. Yeah, yeah, that, that, was, was a, that was a softball. He yeah. was like, hit this out the park yeah. real quick. Yeah, so I met my wife online. We met on like a Christian dating app. That's Christian like, Tingle. Yeah, it's like Christian, Christian Tingle or Mingle? No, yeah. we, we just, we make fun of it. We call it Christian Tingle. It wasn't that. It was this app called Cross Paths. And, um, what I, was your profile looking like? Do you put like a gangster oh, he's picture? A, he's got a picture of it. Dude, I don't want to. Do you want, put like a. I don't want to bring it up. Do you he's put like a little, suit? He's got this face going on. No, did, I did you don't, did dude, you do I'm that one? Smiling. Did you do that? No, I was just smiling. He's got his his full tea smile. Yeah, yeah, I was I was smiling. But what's the profile? Do you be like I love lo- the Lord more than other people on this side? Got to be ready for that ministry grind. No, yeah, yeah I would literally <laughs> said I think like no, like, I rem- did, his profile's pastor. gold. Yeah, no way. What did it say? Come on, don't be shy. It's favorited. You got it. He can pull it up too. As he's pulling that up, you're pulling up. You still got Christian Mingle on your phone? No, he's got a screenshot. Oh, I was about to say your wife. Your wife better not be listening. I only know this because note this. I only know this because the other day he showed me his profile and his wife's profile when they were on the dating site oh my gosh their profiles are hilarious have you ever been right, did you so that was my profile picture that is gangster I'm man trying, like zoom, zoom in. in yeah it, it still is instagram that's, that's profile. Yeah, it's good, my instagram it's you my instagram. switched it you you used it cross like so you used it like secular secular and spiritual it? christian dating app man it's a christian dating app um, it's a holy man right here Oh gosh, dude, this is so. How bad. did you get on it? Did your did your friends be like, "Yo, we yes. need to make a profile for you"? Yes. So I, it was like, but honestly, you chose that picture. No, they made. What, it. what they were made you it thinking with the profile? Were you like, "I'm gonna really they, bring the ladies"? They made in? it. My buddy David, um, he <laughs> he made it for me. And the, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. David at the time had been talking to a girl for two months on it. Uh, got married and they've been to mar- like married now for three or four, three, four years, something like that. Uh, first, so the jury's first, still out. First baby on the way. My brother met his wife on it. They just got married last Friday. 
So uh, we now have a new mm. sponsor for the podcast. It is Christian Cro- Mingle. Cross, pa- cross Pads. Crosspads.com. Cross but yeah. Hit me up. Uh, are you going to? Yeah, I got to read this. You're going to blast me. So, uh, no, no, no. This isn't blasting. This, this is, is just, blasting. This is so bad. This is dude. just this dog out here. This, <laughs> this is his about. <laughs> it, says, <laughs> it says, first of all, LOL. <laughs> That's how it starts out. I'm LOL. playful. LOL. LOL. Can't believe it's come to this. Okay, so that's how we're starting. Just be funny, good with people, and give killer back rubs. First of all, we're catching our brother in a stumble moment right there. Okay, yeah, that's right. You shouldn't be propositioning for back rubs on the first day. You're we, right. You're that, right. That was like second level. Yeah, yeah that's right. not first level. Here we go. I play golf and go line dancing often. I'm a youth pastor, so be down for the ministry grind. <laughs> Okay, and here's what I'm gonna say. It worked. Oh my god, it worked. Dude. Yeah. So I met my wife. Who on cares that. what it said? Here's the thing. Hundred percent success. Rate. Catch this. You ready for the game? Game. You ready for the game? Game. So, um, I I match with Jess and um, and I'm like, do you I'm, swipe right too? Yeah. yeah swipe it's the same. Swipe same left. Swipe right is you are interested. Swipe left is no. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've never done it. Like I was out the game before it's all right. these things happened. That's all right. Shame. So, yeah. anyways, we um. I let it sit for like an hour, just curious. She gonna reach out first. She gonna let me reach out. So I reach out and um, I hit her with like this line because she had. I don't know if you're familiar with the Myers Briggs, um, like personality test. It's basically. I've it's heard like, of it. I've it's never like taken it. Enneagram. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like down that realm, right? Colby. Colby. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so she had her Myers Briggs in her profile, and so I was just like, hey. Our Myers Briggs complement each other well in social situations. Nerd, nerd, <laughs> such a nerd, right? She's all about it, swooning. So we're just talking back and forth on this app, and the conversations get really, really good because at the time I was pastoring at my dad's church, and she hits me with this question. This is literally an hour into talking. She goes, "So what's like some of the biggest struggles of working in ministry alongside your dad?" Over DM. And I'm going like I can't I can't write. She this. wanted like, to see she wanted to see if the dog could go deep. So go. so I I shoot back this DM to her and I go, um, honestly I'm gonna be like like there's way too much to talk about. Hey, how about I just get you a number and I'll call you. Bam bam. Picks up the phone, hey, baby dude, girl. That, that's past a game, right? Baby there. girl, what time is it? In Were Ohio you playing right music now? in the background? No no no. So she yeah, so Al she, Green on. She like she shoots me her number. I uh, I call her. We end up talking on the phone for three hours. I hang up. She's in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm in LA. Uh, I hang up. I'm like, she a Browns fan? Holy. She a Browns fan? Her family is. She likes LeBron then. She likes LeBron. Does she think he's the best ever? She can hoop. She's the best she, ever. My wife was. The, she got game. My 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 wife was the national three point champion when she was a senior in high school. There's video. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Let's have it at church. I want to see her at church. Like the she first should, time you preach. You have to start with like, hey, this is who I am. My wife is so much cooler. She makes more money than me. Yeah. And uh, here's her winning a national we championship. Should, but oh. we should have her play against guys in the church in a three-point contest, and they would get mm. their a- prayers answered it, if they won. Wow. They wouldn't. They wouldn't win. Well, no, his wife prays really well, so she probably could get their prayers answered because that's how it works. <laughs> She's a prophetess, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no, you said national championship. No, um, no, no. She was a national three-point Three-point champion. champion. So three-pointers. How yeah. many she hit in how much time? Uh, yes. 17 of 20. 17 of 20. In yeah. like 90 seconds. In, in 90, or in 60 seconds, I think 60 it was. 60 seconds. She got handles, too? She got handles? Oh, like, she hasn't been playing 
um, since then. Like, she went off into college and played in college. Where'd she play? Otterbein University. Okay. Um, and then she, like, I think, yeah. yeah. But she a she, Steph Curry fan? I don't know. No, she doesn't come talk on. about Steph. Come on. Um, come to Steph. No, yeah. th- her thing was, like, I, I can't wait for you to hear her story. She was born with an autoimmune disease. Um, can called ankylosing spondylitis, excuse okay. me. Yeah. Um, and that was what took her out of the game. Um, was it just her sickness had gotten so bad? And this, like, at her worst part, or the worst season of her life dealing with this illness was when she and I met. And two weeks after her and I meeting and talking and whatnot, we would talk every day on the phone, FaceTime, things like that. Um, two weeks. Did in- you adjust the lights when you were FaceTiming? One hundred. Hundred <laughs> percent. How did you like on a FaceTime call? Because Chandler and I are looking, and we, I don't know the lights. For those of you watching the podcast or listening, Seth actually set up my lights, and I get compliments on my lights all the yeah, time. Man. But right, I didn't know, yeah. Chandler. You know lights? No, I don't know lights. Yeah. How do you light yourself? For a FaceTime call, face you face natural light. So if I was yeah. indoors, you face a window. Sunshine in your face. Not you not if you're face. out. If you're outside, you go into a shaded area. If you're inside, you face a you window. You look like this. What what kind of angle do you do for optimum dating? You go like on this. FaceTime? So she thinks you're super tall. No no no. You actually go a little bit higher. So she thinks that you're super fit. No, you because I I got a little bit of that. I that. put the fo- I put the phone on the ground and I stand <laughs> over it. I got a, I got a little bit of that that ministry double chin. <laughs> Dude. I just I just I just <laughs> I stand over the phone like this. I'm like, sorry, this is just my natural posture because I'm uh, just huge. I would I would hit I would hit a little bit above a okay. little bit above so that I could kind of low key flex the traps a little bit. Okay, and and if it's just neck up, then I'm like I'm looking all right. And, and it's above the face. And you're flexing the whole time. No, no I yes, mean, like, yes. yeah. Because okay. if you flex and then you let go, that's going to, I mean. It, I just wanted to look the, somewhat athletic. Take the voice okay. down like three octaves. So. Hey, what's up, baby girl? Did you have music in the background? No, Al Green. no, no, no. Did you set up your, ba- like, your Neo. background too? Because sometimes people FaceTime it, and I'm like, you need to do your laundry. I would, I would make sure that I was never facing, like if I was in my room, like the mirror, I had double mirrors. As Bible like in the background. Open. No, no, no. I, did just, I didn't want the mirrors to be around because then it could show how dirty my room was, you know? Dumbbells. So I didn't want my Protein room to shake. Look. Yeah. What else? Dude. We're in there. Anyways, that's the most stacks un- of cash. Back to what we were talking about. That's the most unorthodox thing that I think the Lord Lamborghini, has- <laughs> <laughs> Lamborghini <laughs> poster. <laughs> but it looks like it's in the room. Yes, I used to have. Did you ever have a Lamborghini poster, uh, you guys? What I'm not post- a car guy. Okay, but what posters did you have? Sports up? Illustrated for Kids would give you a poster every single month of a random athlete. My whole room was full of Sports Illustrated for Kids posters pulled out of the magazine. And Disney Channel used to do this thing called Show Me Your Collection. And they would do like a commercial about you. I submitted a video for my cool, cool Sports Illustrated for Kids poster collection in my room. Like every week. I had WNBA players up on the wall before (laughs) it was cool to have WNBA players. Like I'm talking like Lisa Leslie was on my wall. Yes. Alongside like Michael Phelps. Yeah. What did you have? I had um, I had a lot of Broncos posters because I'm a Broncos fan, and so (laughs) like I had an old school poster that had like uh, like John John Elway, Uh Terrell Davis, you know, like that whole crew. That was a good that was a good time though. Yeah, John Lynch. You guys had a good one. 
Yeah, I mean, this year we got we got rated like a D minus in our draft. But what do you what do you feel about Russell Wilson? You on him? I mean, he's a Christian guy. I, I but think he said him I mean, as an individual. I think him as an individual is a phenomenal man. Um, okay, I, I actually I can't. Yeah, Broncos Nation. <laughs> he yeah. flipped a golf cart. Did you see that? Yeah, he no. flipped a golf cart. He was on the golf course a couple weeks ago, and he yeah, flipped a he golf flipped cart. It. So he didn't that see makes the, him sick. He didn't see the okay. sand trap. He just drove right into it. Um, just like he didn't <sighs> see the cornerback before he threw the interception. <laughs> <laughs> on the was, one yard line. That the was Super about Bowl. as Harry Chan soft <laughs> that up. If I'm Russell Wilson in the Super Bowl, this isn't a Broncos thing. This is a Russell Wilson thing. Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, and I'm there, and old man Pete Carroll, that's going senile because he's 90, right. says, hey, throw the ball on the one-yard line. I'm saying, you got it, Pops. I get up under center. I call an audible. I give it to the Mack truck of a human, Marshawn Lynch. Right. I win the Super Bowl. Tom Brady's not as relevant as he is today. Amen. Hot wow. take. Hot take. In terms of the Broncos, here's the deal. The fact that we got shit. He just took it back from the uh, from uh, Tom Brady back to the Broncos. Did right. you see that transition? Yeah, that's how I'm every selfish. Broncos fan okay. is. Um. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually a Rams fan. We made a bet that nope. if the Rams beat the Broncos on Christmas Day You're last a Rams year, fan. Yeah. That if the Rams beat the Broncos on Christmas Day, then that means that he had to be a Rams fan. He's I can't not even, a man of God, and he did not commit the I can't even name one Rams player. Yes, you can. Nah. Who's our quarterback? Who's the best defensive player to ever play the game? Aaron Donald. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Oh, be, be, well, uh, up until Javon Curse. Right. Javon Curse, the freak. I, I will say this, Kelly, and you can totally shame me for this. I, w I lived in Memphis for two years, and I grew up without a dad that loved an NFL team. I had a dad. Just didn't like an NFL team. <laughs> I wanted to clarify that. But so I didn't grow up with an NFL team. So when we moved to Memphis, I was like, the Titans are cool. I'm going to like them. It was the year. It was the year of the greatest show the, on turf. The, oh, and that was actually. That's the. the uh, we've got Eddie George on Sports right. Illustrated right behind me. I that was the first time I'll admit to this because I'm a transparent man. That was the first time I ever used my middle finger. When the Titans didn't <laughs> score the touchdown, I flipped off my TV and my dad said, young man, you don't do that. And I said, I just, I just kind of saw it on TV. He's like, yeah, you're not allowed to do that. The guy that reached out was Kevin Dyson just on the uh, podcast. Yes. He was just on. I kind of fanboyed a little bit when you said that. But I had to hold it in because when, I, when the Rams came back to L.A., I'm an L.A. guy. And I was like, well, I got I to gotta, I gotta be a hometown kid here. Right. And so I hopped on the Rams bandwagon, and then they played the Patriots. And I hate everything in Boston. As an L.A. sports fan, Boston does not exist. It's a territory that I will never go to. So when the Rams played the Patriots, I said, full-blown Rams fan. Who do you think Jesus is a fan of in the NFL? Cowboys. Oh, no, 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 no. God's from Texas, don't you know? No, 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 no. Jesus was blonde hair, blue he eyes. He is a... No, 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 no. no. <laughs> He's a Broncos Sarcasm. Fan. Again, folks, want to clarify. <laughs> Jesus was a fan of cricket, bro. Like, he... Like, <laughs> but I, I really think Jesus he was an Oilers pickleball. fan. No. I think he was an Oilers fan. He played pickleball. NBA, NBA. What, what, no. who's, who's Jesus a fan of? No, no. Okay, first off, let's clarify the NFL. Okay. He's a Broncos fan, and that's why, why sunrises Denver's and sunsets one of the are orange and blue. No, Denver is literally like a cursed city, is it not? Like their no. whole airport is Illuminati, has like lizards that has running has nothing to do with God. <laughs> has everything to do with not loving has, God. Has, no, <laughs> what what's, hey, about? what's up with the murals in your, in your right, city? Bro? Like, bro, it's, it's The murals are weird. Denver it don't throws get me, me off. Don't get me going. We're not allowed to talk about this on the podcast. Throws me off. But okay, so in the NFL, you say uh, uh, Broncos. Yeah. You say Jesus is a fan of 
Cowboys. Cowboys. <laughs> and I believe it's a uh, he's an original Houston Oilers fan, and now he's a Tennessee Titans fan. Sure, um, I can see that. N- NBA. NBA. Mm. Well, I mean, the obvious answer would be Steph Curry, although he's getting a little bit of a potty mouth, you know, so God mm. doesn't love people with a potty mouth. He just forgets <laughs> right, about him. Right. Again, sarcasm. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's right. I don't know. I mean, I mean... I mean, it's it's hard to believe that God wouldn't empathize with the Lakers after losing the great Mamba too soon. So, Okay, so Jesus, what shoes mm. would he wear? Seth? Oh, he was wearing the Bethlehem 11s. Yeah, no shoes. Jesus out there just on the court giving people handles with yeah. his bare feet. Yeah, and but then if he had he, to wear shoes, what would be his like? What which, are the holy grail? You're, the elevens are the holy grail for you. No, he's he either wearing Bethlehem, Bethlehem elevens, or the, trying or to the, say like sandals. He was making a joke, okay. or the Jerusalem lands. Yeah, it didn't. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Damn, I'm saying Jesus is rocking some Kobe ten Grinches. Those are my like grailed shoe. Those are the grail. Yeah, I love I love the like the Kobe ten. Okay, like, I have a pair of Kobe ten watermelons, and they're what I play basketball in. They're they're a half size too small. My feet will bleed if I wear them too long, but I wear them because they are absolutely my favorite shoe in the whole world. They're not a Jordan, and I will agree with you that Jordan is the greatest basketball shoe of all time. There's yeah. no competing with that. Thank you. Yeah. But Kobe tens are just they're okay. they're just, they're in the heart. I'm a four guy, but I'm a four yeah, guy because fours. my parents I bought love them for me. The fours. They, they were the. Got, what, what's your those. favorite? What's your favorite shoe, Seth? It's either those, the bread fours, or the bread elevens. Bread 11s, okay. I would say that Jesus wear, he would probably wear the bread 11s because he's the, the the bread of life. <laughs> he's so stupid. He died and bread for your sins. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chip. Sorry, Doc. You asked where the line was earlier in this podcast? <laughs> that was it. You found it. You can have Twinkies and Mountain Dew, but you just can't say something. Like that. <laughs> so, so let me let me ask you this about baptism because I remember a guy. Um, he changed my eyes about baptism. Did you, did you yeah. see how I transitioned there? Yeah, you we went from baby. shoes to baptism. Yeah, we. we that's know how who we you do are. things. We that's how we do things around here. But on. I had a guy tell me one time. I was like, he was talking about baptism, and then he was like, um, he said, "I have a different thought of baptism." I said, "What is it?" And he said, "I I get baptized every single day." And I said, "Well." Really? I said, that's, that's amazing. And he said, yeah, uh, every day when I get into the shower, I pray and ask God to cleanse everything. And when I get in the shower, then he washes me clean. And I'm uh, I'm free from my sins of the day before or even at that moment every single day. And I was like, man, but where's the line there too with the baptism part of it? I mean, First John 1, 9 says, if we're faithful to confess, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So forgiveness and purification is a continual process we can all experience right. whenever we want it. Yeah. Baptism is, again, another sacrament, like sacred. Well, it's not a sacrament. It's, it's a sacred a part of the scripture. It's a command. That is the public declaration of our faith. Yeah. Okay. We're going to a church we love up in Vacaville called the Father's House. When they baptize someone, they have them say, today I'm going public with my faith. Okay. Beautiful language for it. You can choose to baptize yourself every day. I mean, I don't think there's anything in the Bible that says you're only allowed to get baptized once. But I would say going into the shower, I would hope there's not a multitude of people watching you go public with your shower. So I wouldn't call that baptism. Yeah. Because baptism, again, is a public declaration 
of an inward decision. Correct. Got so it. if he goes to his pool every day and says, I love Jesus, cannonball, baptism, baby. What about at the beach? When, when there's a lot of people around and you just yell out, Jesus, and then you dive into the water. Baptism? I, uh, well, I think, like, it's once again, we're going back know. to, yeah, I think we got to look at, it's yeah. like the, the intention, the heart. Well, I just yelled out, Jesus, but if I yelled out, I love Jesus in my heart, and then I just dove into the wave. I'm baptizing myself around. in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That you, so the Bible does say, like, stipulation of baptism is you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So yeah. could you abbreviate that and then dive in? Uh, and it would still count. I would never go on the side of abbreviating Jesus. Yeah. I would always go on the side. And I, make I sure would. Because a lot of people are into acronyms right now. Right. Yeah. So I don't know that acronym like off the top of the dome right now. What would it be? Fish. Yeah. Fish. Yelling fish. Fish. And yeah. then jump in. Yeah. <laughs> I think what, what <laughs> he, maybe what he has just a little bit um, confused about is like scripture says for us to daily work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Mm. And so there's like the, the thought that when you get baptized, that that's the cleansing of your sins is actually very improper theology. I am. That's not, that's not, you're not cleansed of your sins in baptism. You're cleansed of your sins when Jesus comes and changes your life. That's what he died on the cross for wow. going back. Like that, like, so for it to be taught, like you're doing this and now you're sinless is very improper theology. You are sinless the moment that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he was raised from the dead under the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. When you believe in your heart and you do that, you're saved. Now, it also says for us to daily work out our salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? We daily need to come back to that place of, God, thank you for your saving grace. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for what you did on the cross. And today I'm committing my life to serve and honor you. That's a daily thing. But the baptism side of it, the going public with your faith, letting everybody know who you live for, that that is not something that you need to do every single day. It's not something that you have to do. I, I would say this. Um, <clears throat> we have a lot of students that get baptized as kids um, because their parents want them to get mm -hmm. baptized, right? So it like either like infant baptism um, or they were just really young and mom's like, yeah, I just want my kid. I want to dedicate them to the Lord. Well, like just de dedicate them to the Lord. Baptism should be a personal decision that you are consciously aware that you are telling everybody, this is who I live for. This is what my life is going to be predicated around. Um, so there's a very clear distinction between that and like working out your salvation and, and every single day having that commitment moment um, with the Lord. So I, I would just, that's how I would phrase it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, an, it's interesting to, to be able to hear it and to be able to hear it from you guys too, because I think a lot of times either people get, they get caught up on either side of like, it's got to be so like this, or it's, I, I don't want to have any, you hear the people always say like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm just spiritual. And then I ask them like, okay, so what do you believe? And they're like, I just take a little bit from every place and then whatever kind of works out for me, I believe. So I want to talk about a, a disclaimer here. Someone said the other day to me, um, God helps those who help themselves. And he said, that's in the Bible. And I was like, no, it's not. It's not in the Bible. 
It was Benjamin Franklin that said that. And it got popular in, like, American culture. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong? No, you're completely right. I mean, you... Because you hear this all the time. Right. You know you know Proverbs like the back of your hand. Like I would say like if there's anyone I'm going to bank on like a Proverbs trivia night, first person I'm calling is Kelly Cardenas. <laughs> and um, God, the, the phrase you said was God helps those who help themselves. Yeah. It's the exact antithesis of scripture. Like God does not help those who help themselves. Actually, the Bible says God refreshes those who refresh others. So... It's not. I think if what you said, Ben Franklin said that, what he might be saying is like, God helps those who like work hard to do their best to follow him because like the scriptures do say that like God works out, uh, God works out all things for the good of those who love him. And that's in Romans. And are called according to his purpose. Right. And so I would say like, sure like god will help those who help themselves live in love like jesus but like this sentence is incomplete if you stop it there because yeah it's the antithesis of scripture thinking about it this way like uh why would god continue to help you in your pursuit of making yourself your own god yeah just stop right there hold on huh? stay that say again say say, say, say that say again but yeah. say that again and say it slow yeah why would god help you continue in your pursuits of making yourself your own god yeah that's it there's the answer to your question i I don't know who that friend was but there you go so you guys know why i started the podcast i started the podcast because of iconic figures like yourselves and i wanted to take the you guys and i want to have conversations and i wanted my kids maddox and mckenna who you both know to understand that life's not about the things you accomplish, but it's about your attitude. It's about who you serve and whose you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank both of you because you guys have had the impact on my son. Um, And I'm going to ask you for something publicly. Um, I want my, my daughter to come back to youth group and I wanted to go to, to camp. Yeah. Cause I think it's going to be massive. It'd be great. Um, I need you guys help in it. Okay. What advice would you have for Maddox and McKenna? If you could say both their names, it would be awesome. You want to go first? Yeah. Um, I'll first speak to uh, McKenna. I think um, growing up in our culture today is very hard. And there is a lot of competing uh, wisdom on what is valuable. And so what I would say is, McKenna, you have phenomenal parents that love you dearly and are fighting for you, praying for you, contending for you and um, trusting them with, with that is one of the best decisions that you can make. And so McKenna, trust your parents um, is what I would say. And your dad did not tell me to say that before we started recording. (laughs) That's what I would have said to myself at McKenna's age as well though. And Maddox, I said this to you on Sunday, Maddox, don't change. You are a stud Every Sunday, every time I see you, I envy who you are at the age that you are because you are secure in yourself and you don't care what others have to say. Let the dreads go, baby. Keep rocking it. You are the man. Tighten up, baby. Tighten up. That's great. 
Um, I'm going to speak first to, to you, Maddox. Um, I want to share uh, this thought that my dad um, passed down to me, and it's that your greatest strength will always be your humility. And so when you are plugging along in this life, there is no doubt that you have a charisma about you, um, an insight, um, an awareness, um, and a wisdom that you carry at such a young age that will open up doors. You are going to have doors open up in your life. Um, whenever you walk through those doors, just like your pops just said, just remember whose you are, who opened up that door, and allow for your greatest strength to be your humility. Um, and for McKenna, um, I want to encourage you to be committed to your your pursuit of Jesus um, in in your your own life. Uh, if there's anything that like like I could encourage you in is how can you continue to pursue Jesus outside of your parents' faith, your brother's faith, your friend's faith? Who is Jesus um, in to you? What is what does He have for you? And so um, the way that you do that is by seeking yourself, getting into the word, asking questions, um, and, and taking a risk. Cause it's, I know that it can be scary and coming from a home who had parents that were very, very active in their faith. Probably the best thing that I got to learn and was set up for a young opportunity was to own my own faith. And so who is Jesus to you and who is he calling you to be? And, um, and discover him for that. Um, and and I, I'm here if you want to talk and process. Um, I'm not that scary, I promise. Will you, anybody out there listening or watching understands why I like to spend time with you guys because I believe that you're the new, I know you're not uncomfortable when I say a new face of, of ministry. It's not that I'm getting my emphasis on you guys because I know why you're doing it. But the reason why I say that is because I know I can trust you in that, in, mm. in the fact of that you guys aren't going to beat your chest and be like, yo, I'm Chandler, I'm Seth, and you know what? We're the new ones that you need to follow. We, we know where you're going to place the people's eyes. Um, but I want to tell you both. I mean, you guys, as far as not only pastors, but as, let's compartmentalize it, speakers, pastors, human beings, friends, husbands, all those aspects. I just, I admire you. You're huge inspirations to me. And I'm so glad to be able to share you guys um, with the world. Thanks, man. Thank you, Kelly. Seriously, it's a big honor. Wow. Huge honor. I can't wait to have you guys on more. Although my stomach hurts because I've been laughing so much (laughs) and my cheeks hurt too. Um, It it is absolutely phenomenal to be able to to see. Make sure uh, if you're watching, listening, uh, check out the sponsors, share it with somebody. Share it with somebody that that needs to hear these two guys' message too. But when I say their message, you know where it's coming from. So I think one of the biggest things that I've seen is a lot of times people would be like, yo, you need to come to my church because my pastor, and then the person shows up and their pastor is maybe on vacation and the person's like, oh man, well, you know, and then they try and backpedal on it. I'm like, no, the reason why you came is because the message, not because the messenger. And you guys give that every single day, whether it be you're saying it or you're just living it. And I just, I want to compliment you both on that, which is phenomenal. Thanks, man.
Appreciate it. Appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And you're officially off the hot seat.